Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, friends. Rick Thomas here. I'm glad that you are here as well. I am working through my book, The Cyber Effect. It is a free book, and you can find it in our store along with a bunch of other books, and I want you to download every one of them. But The Cyber Effect is an important book for our generation because of the impact that the Internet has on our lives. I am working through eight specific effects that social media, Internet, technology has on us. Now, in Cyber Effect number three, I talked about the stranger on the train effect. That's where it's easy to talk to someone that you've never met before versus the difficulty of talking to someone that you might have had struggles with or unresolved conflict. That's the stranger on the train. And then cyber effect number four, I talked about the disinhibition effect. That's where these are risk-free or perceived risk-free relationships because when you are online, you can be thousands of miles from someone and, well, you can have no social filter and say virtually anything that you want to say. And so the stranger on the train effect, well, that is a danger as well as the disinhibition effect. But both of those things rolled in together, well, that leads us to cyber effect number five, which is what I'm talking about here, and that is the sanctification effect. Obviously, if we're given over to the stranger on the train and given over to the disinhibition effect, it's going to adversely affect our sanctification. After you meet the stranger on the train and both of you throw inhibition to the wind, you may convince yourself that you're building a whole relationship with another person, a 360-degree relationship. You are not... At best, what you have is a false intimacy. There is intimacy and you sense it. But I'm using the word false because it's not truly legit. It is not the real thing. You cannot replicate and enjoy God's solution to companionship in cyberspace. In Genesis 2.18, it says, The Lord said, It's not good that man should be alone. I, I will make him a helper fit for him. If you cut yourself off from all potential hurt, it's not possible to know God the way that He wants you to know Him. You see, in that text in 2.18, what God is saying in, in the text, it is not good. See, it says the Lord God said it's not good for man to be alone. Adam wasn't lonely. Adam was just fine. But God knew that Adam could not, could not fully replicate the Imago Day, because God is a community, and he was alone in the garden, and it was not good. And so he gave him a helper fit for him so that he could fully benefit from and then also export what it means to be made in the image of God. And that's why I say if you cut yourself off from all potential hurt, It's not possible to know God the way that He wants you to know Him. You will carve out a world where you rely on yourself, building high walls in safe places. You won't be relying on the Lord. And the adverse effect of not engaging real people in a a real fallen world, well, that's the place that you create, but it will become your prison. You see, sanctification is not safe. We're fallen people, and though cyberspace can incarcerate someone and keep the bad people away, it falls woefully short 
in the transformation process. You can do many things by yourself, but sanctification is not one of them. It takes a community. One of the implications of sanctification is sinfulness. I mean, what are we transforming from? What are we progressively sanctifying into? Well, obviously, sin is implied. Without sin, there would be no need for progressive sanctification. We would already be entirely sanctified, but we're not. There is sin. And so we should not ignore it or run from it. We need to engage the sinfulness among ourselves so that we can change. We can't be hiding in our cyber silos, isolating ourselves from real community. We must be in fallen flesh and blood context where sin is apparent and regrettably it's unavoidable. We have to engage it, not unlike it, as we can easily do on socials. If you want to be a great baseball player, you need all the components of baseball. You can learn the game. If you had, a, if you had no glove, for example, you would never understand the skills necessary to make it to the bigs. In the world of fallen human, humanity, sin is absolutely vital to our transformation. But if we sequestered ourselves from fallen humanity, building a cyber refuge, a cyber silo, we would not grow as we should. We need human beings. It is not good for us to be alone if our hope is Christ-likeness. Now, the other concern that centers on the sanctification effect, and again, the sanctification effect is effect number five, there's another concern that I want to put out there is that the effect, the technology, is that on our thoughts. Our thoughts need hibernation. They need time to sink into our brains. I talked about this in Real World Effect in Chapter 1, but I want to talk a little bit more about it because it also ties into the sanctification effect. This crucial aspect of needing time to hibernate, our thoughts to hibernate, this aspect of our sanctification means that the truth of God that we want to absorb has to land, it has to stick in our long-term memory banks. I'm not sure of a worse place to hinder this aspect of our sanctification than the internet and social media. You can test yourself. Try this. Think of the last 10 quotes that you liked on your favorite social media platform. You can't. Nobody can. And even if you could recall parts of those fabulous quotes, they are on their way out of your mental door because there are other nuggets of the day that are waiting to roll in. If a fleeting thought, like, click, picture... If they were on one end of the spectrum, way over here, and memorizing a verse or a passage from the Bible was on the other end of the spectrum, way over there, then liking things on social media is closer to your fleeting thoughts than the rigors of memory work that sticks with you for years and brings sanctification transformation to your soul, while enabling you and those around you to mature redemptively. This is cyber effect number five, the sanctification effect. I talked about real-world relationships. We need them and also talked about how it impacts our memory. Both of those things are tied to our sanctification. Here's a few questions as I wrap up. 
Why can't you replicate and enjoy God's solution for companionship in cyberspace? That would be a great topic of discussion. Number two, why are hurt, disappointment, and other sins vital to our maturity? That's an odd way. That's an odd question to think about, but I framed it that way particularly, and I I would assume that you could answer it after listening to this particular chapter number five. What happens if we cut ourselves off from these realities of fallenness, the sin in our lives? Cutting yourself out from all sin. Then number three, why do high walls and safe spaces feel right, but are detrimental to our need to become Christ-like? Number four, how do the internet and social media hinder our long-term memories? And why is this issue vital to our sanctification? And then finally, number five, what one thing will you change to carve out downtime, to practice pondering for extended periods, which teaches patience and perseverance? Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.